Welcome to this podcast from Harvest Community Church of Huntersville, North Carolina, where our vision is to make disciples who make disciples. I'm your host, Liz Stefanini. So today I want to ask you a question as we're going to look at Psalm 63. I want you to think of a time that you were really hot and thirsty. I want you to think of a time that you were just, you felt like you were parched. You felt like you were, you just had to have water. You had to have, you were just so thirsty. All right, take a second and, and think about a time like that. And turn to somebody around you and, and tell them about it. Okay, now I want you to think of a different kind of experience. I want you to think about maybe the best meal that you've ever had in your whole life. Just think it was just, if you could ever do it again, you would do that same exact meal. Do you have it? Are you thinking about the very best meal you ever had? And if the person beside you is the one who helped prepare it, you might want to tell them that. But turn to somebody beside you and tell about that that incredible meal. I know this is dangerous. You might get you thinking about the wrong things. So thinking about lunch. So the Psalms are poetry. And, And in poetry... There are images, and the, the psalmist, this psalmist today, David, who wrote Psalm 63, used a couple very vivid images, one of incredible thirst and the other one of incredible satisfaction at eating a great meal. That's why I wanted you to think about that, because I want you to remember what you were thinking about, what you were feeling as you thought about those those different experiences as we look at Psalm 63. Now, here's the background. In Psalm 63, King David cried out to God from a place of sensing isolation from God. When he wrote this, he was either physically isolated from God or emotionally or spiritually isolated from God. He was in an incredibly dry season or place, and he cried out to God from there. And a psalm like this can be very meaningful for us as we watch and listen a godly person cry out to God from that kind of place. As we go through our own ups and downs, as we experience Seasons of great joy, as well as dry seasons. Here's Psalm 63. A Psalm of David, when he was in the desert of Judah. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. 
I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him while the mouths of liars will be silenced. So what do we see in this psalm? Psalm 63 We see a strong spiritual thirst for God. We also see an affirmation of God and how he satisfies. And then we see confidence in the victory of those who are on God's side. We're going to walk through these three sections. So the first section, the the psalm opens up. And we see this cry of a, that represents a strong spiritual thirst for God. A psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. David spent a lot of time in his life in the wilderness. He spent time running for his life. You, there, there's ten chapters or so in First Samuel, uh, chapter 21 to 31 that, that show David's trying to escape Saul, who was attempting to kill him. And it could have been in one of those times that he wrote this. It might have been a time when his own son, Absalom, was trying to destroy him. And that was in Second Samuel chapter 15. We don't know the exact experience that David was going through when he wrote this. But here's what we do, though. We know he was in a hard place. And isn't it comforting to know that the Bible, with its 66 books and about 40 human authors, that it was written by people who knew what it was to suffer? The, the, the authors of the Bible are not people who sat around with everything easy. Life was just perfect for them. So they were able out of this perfect, easy life to just say some nice words. No, some of our favorite authors in the Bible struggled big time and had very hard circumstances. David is in the desert. David is isolated. David is thirsty. He says in verse 1, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. So think about a parched land. 
Think, think about dryness. This was like your backyard until a couple days ago. But it was even worse. <laughs> In a dry and parched land like desert, water becomes a matter of life and death. You can't survive without water. You can survive longer without food than you can without water. More people die of dehydration in the desert when they get lost in the desert than they do of lack of food. The book Sahara Unveiled tells a story about an Algerian man named Lag Lag and a friend. The two of them were crossing the desert and their truck broke down. And their tr- truck breaks down. They nearly died. They were, it was three weeks in the desert before they were rescued. And they... They would find some refuge from the sun under the truck and they they dug kind of a little shallow trench to get some shade. But and they they had some food. But they were afraid to eat too much food, thinking that would make them even more thirsty. So finally, they were rescued, but they got they started getting before they were rescued they got more and more desperate they were so thirsty they were they wanted something to drink so bad that they actually drank the water out of the radiator in the truck they were so thirsty they were willing to drink poison essentially when david describes his current circumstances from the desert, he says, God, I'm, I'm thirsty for you. My soul, it's not just, it's not just my physical thirst. It's not just that I, I have to have water to survive, which he does, but it's, it's my soul that's longing for you. My, my soul is longing for you. It's like isolation. Remember when I asked you at the beginning to think about a time when you were really, really, really thirsty? I don't know how strong that was. I don't know if it was as strong as this, but this is what David was experiencing. And, you know, there there are a lot of reasons that we, even as Christians, can have dry seasons. There are a lot of reasons why we can be thirsty. There are a a lot of reasons why we can sense Isolation from God. Have you ever sensed isolation from God? I mean, we know he never leaves us. He promised to never leave us or forsake us. We know that in our mind. We don't always experience it in our heart, right? And this is where David was. He felt it. There are a lot of reasons why we can feel it. Some of it is, I think, the normal rhythm of life. Life has ups and downs. Every life has ups and downs. And somehow we tend to think we're always going to have ups, but it's, it's, it's just not normal to always be up or to always be down. Another reason could be sometimes we allow the busyness of life to crowd out quiet solitude where we are just sitting before the Lord. And we... We allow our busyness to crowd out that kind of rest and solitude, and yet we keep going with the events of life, the responsibilities in life, whether they are personal or job or family or church. 
And we can be very dry still doing all of those things. Sometimes it's difficult trying life circumstances that we had nothing ourselves with creating. And that can create dryness and isolation. Sometimes it's sin. Sometimes it's just when we sin, we can all, we, in fact, we can almost guarantee that when we sin, we're going to sense that we're isolated from God. But it does, to me, regardless of the cause of our particular isolation at any one time, if you're in a dry season, it may be good for you to do what David did here in Psalm 63 to help you move forward. And that leads us to the second thing we see in the psalm. We see an affirmation of God and how he satisfies. Verse 2, this is verses 2 through 8. This is the bulk of the psalm. It opens with this incredible statement of thirst and the sense of isolation. And in the sense of isolation, remember, he's writing. He's not writing from the mountaintop. He's writing from the desert. He's writing from his own sense of isolation. He says to God, I've seen you. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. In the middle of the desperate situation, David remembers how he has encountered God in the past. He calls his mind to that. He might feel abandoned by God right now. And it seems like he does feel abandoned from God right now. But he remembered God's presence. He remembered seeing him in the sanctuary. Now, in the Old Testament, the sanctuary was a place where God's presence was made known to his people. And David remembers that. He's not there right now. But he remembers what that was like. He has seen that God is powerful and that God is glorious. And so he makes a strong affirmation in verse 3. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Life is the most precious commodity that we have. But there's one thing that's more satisfying than life itself, and that's God's love. And this word that is used for God's love is used often in the Old Testament. It's it's a picture of God's covenant love, his covenant loyalty and faithfulness to his own people. This is the word that expresses how God not only feels about you and me, but how God acts towards you and me in total faithfulness, in total commitment, in total covenant, in total love. And that's what David says. Your love, your covenant loyalty is better than life. And because of that, my lips will glorify you. So not only did David remember it, he chose to speak it. I think this is important. I'm just like you. I think we all sometimes, when we're struggling, it gets sometimes hard to pray. And sometimes it gets hard to praise and to worship. And sometimes 
the best thing to do is to remember what is true about God and actually to say that to God even if we don't feel it in that moment. I don't think David was probably feeling it at this moment yet. But he said, because your love is better than life, my lips are going to glorify you. Verse 4, I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. This is not a quiet, private devotion. This is a public display. He is praising God. It includes testimony. My lips will glorify you. It includes the body language of worship. He lifts up his hands. It includes joyful singing, as we're going to see in the second half of verse 5. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Fully satisfied is with the richest of food. Remember your meal now? Remember your satisfaction? That's the kind of analogy that David is bringing out in thinking of this is what God provides. And it's, it's just a, it's, it's an analogy. It's, it's, it's a way of taking a physical thing and Making a spiritual point. Notice how David is in the process of moving now. He's moving from being isolated and desperate and thirsty to being satisfied. And I really, really hope that that helps you. I don't know where everybody is today. But if this is a normal Sunday... And we think about the people sitting here and the people who are watching now or who will watch later. There are going to be people that are at every stage of life and every emotion and every spiritual condition watching and experiencing different things. And there are some who are in strong need of hope and help right now. I hope that this encourages you when you see A man of God, be honest with God, but walk through the process. And in that process, be strengthened by God. I hope that gives you some encouragement. If this is you, if you're dry and isolated right now, I also hope that you will not allow the enemy to convince you that there's something lacking in God. That God really doesn't fully satisfy. Again, this isn't, this isn't about feelings necessary. Be encouraged that as you, as you honestly reach out to God, that, that He will be able to bring you through to that kind of spot. Even if your circumstances don't change drastically. We don't, we don't know. We, we don't have any indication that David's circumstances change. That he makes this prayer and then the next day everything is fine. <laughs> it's in the circumstances that David is praying. It's in the circumstances that he's choosing to praise God. Verse 6, on my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. I don't know about you, but I think, I think nighttime 
can be the worst time for fear, stress, and worry. Sometime during the day, just you're going about, you know, your activities, you're seeing the sunlight, hopefully, most of the time. But at night, things slow down and it gets dark. And I think that's an opportunity for, again, fear and stress and worry to, to, to come in even more. I, I know it is for me. Whether it's physical sickness or worry about somebody or a situation, it's harder for me at night than it is during the day. And look what David says. Uh, on my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Uh, in, in that time, they had uh, three watches of the night that were four hours long each. And so kind of all through the night, David is choosing not to focus on his problems, but to focus on God. I, I think of you. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I love that image. That here's the, the protective mother bird. Spreading the wings out, just protecting the little babies that are underneath and getting help and protection from that shadow. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. You know, God promises to be close to his own people, but he also calls his own people to draw near to him. Like Deuteronomy thirteen fourteen. it is the Lord your God you must follow. In him you must revere. Keep his commands and obey him. Serve him and hold fast to him or cling to him. And this is, this is David saying, yes, that's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm just going to cling to you. I know your right hand, that's that strong hand of God, is going to uphold me. Now, again, we're talking about spiritual and emotional strength here. This, this psalm is good for everybody to encounter in our walk with God. But none of the psalms are the answer for every single problem in life. There are obviously certain situations and traumas that people go through that Additional help is very beneficial. And so just want to make that qualification that um, we support those sort of uh, helps and assistance. But as we're going through our life and we're walking through challenges, think about David here. Think about this isolation. Think about how in his isolation he looked inward and he looked upward. He looked to God. He clung to God. He didn't look outward. He didn't blame his outward circumstances. And unfortunately, sometimes people, when they're isolated from God, they, they blame God or they blame people. And they think, oh, they just need to change their circumstances. They need, they need a new job. or They need a new marriage. They need a new friend. 
They need a new church. And I, I love David's saying, what I need is God. And I am going to cling to him. Because sometimes when we change external things that mask the issues and it, it doesn't really get to the heart. David's getting to the heart level here. Did you notice as we are going through this how many times David speaks directly to God and uses the word you? Let me put the whole psalm up there. Can, can you read that? Is that? It's kind of small, but I've highlighted it. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. Verse 2, I have seen you. Verse 3, your love is better than life. My lips will praise you. Verse 4, I will praise you. End of verse 5, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. Verse 8, I cling to you. It's really all about God. It's not about religion. It's not about an external experience. It's David is clinging to a person. It's you, God. It's you. When he was thirsty, when he's desperate, he cries out to God very personally. It's you, God. Another psalmist wrote in Psalm 42, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. And then, of course, a few thousand years later, the songwriter wrote, As the deer pants for water, so my soul longs after you. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. I'm glad that today, that what I can offer you does not depend on me and how good of a communicator I am. It doesn't depend on human ability or human faithfulness of anybody that you know. I am pointing you to the one person in the universe who is the God of the universe who knows you, who loves you, who strengthens you, and who will help you. So this is what we see in the psalm. We see this thirst. We see David express to God. And then in the last three verses, we see confidence in the victory of those who are on God's side. Verse 9, those who want to kill me, and David had many enemies, who wanted to kill him will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. 
They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him while the mouths of liars will be silenced. And so here's God's word for us this morning. You may want to jot this down. There's not a stated place to put it on there as we often do. But here's what I think the psalm is saying. Even in dry times, God's love is better than life. Even in dry times, God's love is better than life. Now, let me ask you this question. How does this psalm point forward to Jesus? We always want to ask it. It's an Old Testament passage. It points forward in the, in the, the revelation of Scripture to Jesus. How does it point forward to Jesus? And I've got four things there for you. I think, I think there are a lot of ways that this points forward to Jesus. And here's the first one. Jesus was fully satisfied in God. We're, we're looking at a, a man here who is struggling with being isolated from God, and yet he's finding his satisfaction from God. And I want you to think about Jesus Christ. I want you to think about when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He came... He was the son of God. He was fully man and fully God at the same time. But when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, he was just about to be put to death. He was about to be betrayed. And listen how he prayed. He said to them, these are his disciples, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He had a choice to make. He could have left. He could have walked away. He could have chosen life for himself. He knew what was going to happen. He knew that he was going to the cross. And the question is, is he going to be satisfied with God? And satisfied with God's will? Verse 39, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father... If it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus modeled for us what it means to trust in God's love as being better than life itself. Another way is that God won the victory over his enemies through Jesus. The, the psalmist we read about in Psalm 63, at the end expressed that his confidence that God was going to win over his enemies. Well, God did that through Jesus and his life and death and burial and resurrection. Jesus said in John 16, and time is coming to his earlier followers. In fact, it has come when you'll be scattered, each to your own home, you will all leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The ultimate victory in life 
is not over problems that are at this level. The ultimate victory is the problem of sin that has separated us from God, that we have no way of getting to God ourselves. And Jesus said, I'm going to overcome it. I'm going to become sin. I'm perfect. I'm going to become sin for you. I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to take your sin. I'm going to forgive you of your sin. And in that, our ultimate enemies, sin, hell, and death, are defeated. Amen? Amen. The third way that this points forward, speaking of Jesus and his victory, his resurrection guarantees victory for us. So it's not just his victory, he includes us in it. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, when the perishable, these perishable bodies, have been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory, where, O death, is your sting, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is in the law, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Well, there's one more way that this psalm points forward to Jesus. This psalm is about true satisfaction and about how it it comes not from great circumstances, but from connection with God, with connection with a near and loving God. And John 4 is a great picture of that, and that is this, Jesus fully satisfies. You remember the woman at the well? Remember the Samaritan woman who had just gone from relationship to relationship to relationship, human relationship, trying to find satisfaction, came to get her water, not at the time when all the other women, because she was an outcast. And Jesus had an encounter, and he spoke to her. And, and he asked her for a drink, and, and she was saying, well, how, how can you do this and that? And in the course of their conversation, verse 10, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And as she asked about that, Jesus answers her in verse 13, Everyone who drinks this water, this physical water, will be thirsty again, but... Whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. God has something for you today. God is the ultimate satisfaction. Jesus is the ultimate satisfaction for us in life. Well, how do we apply this? I want to I wanna just give you three quick ways that you can take a psalm like this and apply it today in your circumstance or circumstances. And here's the first one. In the dry places, remember how God has revealed himself in the past. Don't be shocked if you enter a dry season. 
Don't be shocked when there are times that you sense distance from God. But when that happens, remember how God has revealed himself. Think back to God's revelation, God's goodness, God's nearness, God's power. Secondly, seek God honestly. David models that for us here. He he doesn't hold back. It's like, God, my soul is thirsty. David is honestly seeking. And then, number three, ask yourself if you really believe and live as if God's love is better than life. Do you really believe that and live that? Really neat book on prayer is uh, Deepening Your Conversation with God by Ben Patterson. And in that book, Patterson tells a, a story where one day he's, he's going to dinner at a friend's house and, uh, the friend, he said, made really good meals, good food, but it was always very small portions and never filled him up and he had skipped lunch. And so he's thinking, if I go, I'm already really, really hungry. And if I go, then I'm, I'm not going to get filled up. So I, I need to stop and get a snack on the way. So he stopped. He stopped at a place, a drive through fast food place that specialized in hot dogs. I don't, I don't, having lived in the Chicago suburbs, he didn't name it, but I think I know the place he's talking about. There, there's a place up there that that's, that's their specialty. So I'm, I'm guessing he did that. And, he, and so he, he ordered a regular hot dog, a kraut dog, and a chili dog, and french fries on the way to his dinner. And he ate the dinner, he got there, he said the meal was wonderful and it was probably the best meal he never enjoyed. And he said he used that as a parable of prayerlessness. He said, why don't we pray? We don't pray for the same reason I couldn't enjoy that gourmet meal. We're stuffed in our spirits, full, overloaded, packed. Soul crammed, not with the bread of life, but with spiritual junk food. Before it is anything else, lack of prayer is a lack of hunger for God. And he claims that we can fill, we can fill our stomachs with drink, with sex, with ambition, with work, with entertainment, or even with, with religious activities. And all of those things can dull our appetite for God so that quietly we begin to expect less of God and we get satisfied with that. Thankfully, after he told that story, he didn't just leave it there with that reality because I, I think we can relate to that reality, but he said he gave an example of two things that have helped him Restore his spiritual hunger. The first one was memorizing some of the hungry, ravenous prayers of Scripture. He said, just just memorize some of these prayers where 
the people in the in the Bible are calling out to God. And he said, say them as you go into a board meeting or face a pile of unanswered correspondence. Recite them as you go through your phone messages or as you drive to the hospital. And if the prayers don't express what you feel, pray them until they feel what you express. And the second thing is fasting. Just fasting. Not fasting for health reasons, which is good on its own, but fasting for spiritual reasons. He said that showed him how much a slave to food that we can be. And it's, it's true. We, we tend to use food as medicine, right? If you're happy, you're sad, you're tired, you're angry, angry, depressed, you're bored, you go to a social occasion. What's there? Food. And I, I read this, and I, I used to fast very regularly, and I thought, I haven't done that lately. It makes me really want to think about that again. So I want to add two, two things before I wrap up that I think that are related to this as far as how, how can we express that we really do believe that God's love is better in life, and what are the enemies that work against it? What are the challenges that work against it? And I would say this, number one is busyness. Busyness. We have to slow down. It's hard to walk with God in a hurry. And secondly, digital media. We are addicted to our phones. As a society in general, we are addicted to our phones. And it affects our mental health. I mean, studies are proven this. These aren't. Some of these studies aren't like by godly people talking about your, what it does to you spiritually, but it affects our mental health, it affects our relationships with others, and it also affects our hunger and our thirst for God. Americans spend an average of five and a half hours a day on digital media, more than half of that time on mobile devices, according to one research firm. In one survey, st- some students at Baylor University reported using their cell phones 10 hours a day. We check our phones 221 times a day, which is an average of every 4.3 minutes. And that number might be low because sometimes we, we tend to underestimate our own usage of it. I'm not saying... Throw your cell phone in the garbage. or But I, I'm saying if you really, and I'm speaking to myself too, I, the best spiritual times for me are when I take a fast from media. When I get away and alone with God. And I, 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 I believe, I, I know that God is there, but I believe sometimes we're just moving too fast to really realize it. Now, I, I want to encourage you, even in dry times, God's love is better than life. Even in dry times, God's love is better than life. Thanks again for joining us today from Harvest Community Church. This podcast is also available on our website, harvestcharlotte.com. Please go there if you want to send a question or comment, learn more about our ministries, or find out how you can donate to support the podcast.